Welcome to Seattle House Mafia's Industry Interviews. I'm Phil, your host, and in each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with DJs, producers, promoters, and other industry professionals who are passionate about leaving their mark on the dance music scene. But we don't just talk about their careers. We dive deep into their personal lives, what inspires them, where they face challenges, how they balance their personal and professional obligations, and what their aspirations are for the future. Lastly, we end every episode with an exclusive DJ mix so you can experience firsthand our guest's signature sound and style. So join us on this unique journey as we explore the dance music scene and the amazing people who make it happen. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Seattle House Mafia. Well, we are back for another episode in industry artist interviews. Um, with the Seattle House Mafia crew here in the Seattle House Mafia headquarters. And I feel like I struggled. I struggled actually with this one, John, because like I've known you forever. And the truth is you have been headlining and producing music for longer than I've been DJing, which is 25 years. So how the fuck do I do, I do any kind of intro justice? Um, but anyway, in the studio, John Lee, Seattle, uh, Seattle DJ producer, one of my favorites all around. I'm a little biased because he's local, but even if you weren't local, uh, how you doing, John? I'm doing great. Thank you for the <laughs> kind words, and let's just keep it ego free, man. I don't need some dramatic. Uh, Ta da! He's in the <laughs> ladies studio, and gentlemen. Guy, you know, I just I'm a, just a, a West Seattle boy. You are just no, hanging out. It's yeah. You say that, but but check this out. I'm gonna I'm gonna give you one more. So. Every time I open up my fucking social feeds, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, and in fact, what inspired me to wear my tilted shirt was because there was a video of you playing shirtless in the jungle <laughs> of Costa Rica with like these beautiful Costa Rican people. And it was like, was it sunset? Yeah, sunset, sin camisa, which means no shirt in Spanish. <laughs> I, so what was the name of the festival? Uh, Ocaso Festival. And you've done that a couple times, right? Yes, I've done that uh, since the inaugural year, I believe 2017. So every year other than 2021, just because things weren't, weren't cracking. Yeah. Um, but yeah, every year that it's been operational, I've been there. I know, and every time I see I see that you're going there, I always text you and say, dude, I want to come as part of your entourage. So mm -hmm. my goal is once I'm a brown belt, so I can actually offer some real protection, mm -hmm. I'll come as part of your entourage. Okay. Not, not, not that it's a rough crowd by any means. I well, mean, it looks could, like a super fun crowd. You could come for media reasons, I could. you know? I, I could. mean, Seattle House Mafia represent. You know, you Maybe. could do some interviews, could gather some content for for your channel and for your, your stees, and, you it, know? It'd be super fun. Yeah, I mean, it just looks amazing, right? Yeah. Like, is that is that kind of one of your favorite... I mean, I know you, it's like choosing your favorite kid, right? But like, is that one of your favorite sort of festivals to play? It just looks so lively. Oh, my favorite festival for sure. I mean, yeah. one of my favorite things to play every year, hands down. My my uh, my friends who are uh, consequently also the promoters do such a great job with everything. And uh, the, ex I mean, I haven't played a bad gig there yet. I haven't, as far as the events, I haven't seen a bad event um and yeah super grateful for that uh you know my yeah super grateful ocaso is the best it looks super fun and had, I, got, I gotta make it down there yeah had it not been for ocaso um you know it 
there's a likelihood I might not be playing in Central America or South America or playing around Costa Rica all the time. So right, because you, know. you Chile, uh, Guatemala, you played. Mm-hmm. Of course, Costa Rica, right? Yeah, Ecuador, Panama. Um, yeah, I mean, that's it so far, but that's a lot. Yeah. That's fantastic. A lot to man. be happy about. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, yeah. no doubt, man. So, um, you know, I always like to kind of go back and get the origin story. Like I said, you've been doing this for a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, like, was there an event, a person a party, like something that initially got you into just dance music in general? Uh, Well, dance music in general, um, I just ended up going to a rave because a girl that I liked, actually I was dating. A girl. Well, I was was dating her. I was dating her and she kind of broke up with me. I went to a rave and I knew she went with some other dude. (laughs) And so, (laughs) you know, like I had to go see what was going on and I went and I was... I was sold. Yeah. And uh, I mean, and then I started going to parties for the fun of it. Um, But then I guess around end of 93 or maybe it was the beginning of 94, I went to a party at the old King Cat Theater, which I'm sure you remember. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of people that weren't around then or, you know, weren't a part of Seattle's um scene blossoming uh w- wouldn't know the venue but it was just an old beautiful theater uh one stage lots and lots of seating as you'd expect at a theater with 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 a port portion of the floor in front of the stage had the seats removed and my friend Josh Quest or Quest as they called him then was shout out to Quest yeah Quest um was DJing and we had been friends for years um always thought he was a great guy cool but i never seen him or anybody else so cool as as when he was djing and i was just so mesmerized by his music selection and his ability to do what he was doing that i think that night i decided that i wanted to dj nice yeah yeah it's funny i used to like i would look for you guys' names on flyers like that was sometimes the determining factor for me to go out was Quest on the flyer, was Donald on the flyer, was John Lee on the flyer, like it, it really, you know, and, and uh, I probably started a year or two after you, but I did the the King Cat, the- I mean, not playing, but just going as a, yeah, as a patron, yeah. right? Because like, I didn't start playing until like 96, 97. Um, I love that venue though. It was super fun. It was really amazing place. And they would do like down tempo and atmospheric. In, in, the, the-, in the lobby, which is where you would normally walk in and get your popcorn so and good. your sodas and stuff. And the kids are all fizzed out on bean bags. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah. The, and the, it's like, it was like a U-shaped and you yep. could go into the theater from, from hallways with, you know, like ramps and yeah. stairs on, on both sides. It was just your quintessential so cool. older theater, you know? Yeah. Just it was, repurposing it for such a dope, uh, yeah. a dope scene. And now Amazon owns it. In fact, the Twitch, I think the Twitch group is in that building, believe it or not. Are we giving those plugs on here? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep oh, it local. Lo- we might have to edit that re- up. Keep, keep it real local. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, whatever. Yeah. We, we all use those services. So that, so you got into, that was the moment where you decided to DJ, but you've been producing for almost as long, no? Yeah, I mean, I think I probably wrote like my first song. And when I say I wrote, I suppose what I mean is that uh, my friend Brent Lawrence, who I started I Tilted Brent. Records with back in 1999, had a really 
cool studio space in Georgetown. And I would go down there and just hang out. We'd talk biz, um, hang out. And one day we just started working on music. And I was more or less just the words behind what was going to be laid out in the sequencer. And um, Brent was the mastermind at that time on the desk. And this is like pre-computer. So he was yep. just sequencing and, okay. you know, a classic sequencer and and his mpc um 2000 i think was what he was using for sequencing and yeah i mean he pretty much did most of the mechanical work the in engineering if you will and i you know twisted a couple faders and filters and um you know played a couple keys on the keyboard but that was back in 2000 is when i released like my first record right um, but, but it took me probably another, I don't know, 10 years to actually, um, get myself set up to work on music by myself in my studio. Yeah. And then I had a couple, couple aces that helped me along the process of learning basic reality of production and working within an, a, you know, a, a DAW and that was Gene Lee. Yep. Also Josh quest. Yep. Um, and then shout out to Gene. Yeah. Yeah. And my buddy, Micaiah Fender. They were all super helpful in, in um, showing me the way and giving me the finer points. Gene Lee was actually the guy that said to me, um, well, let me preface this with saying that I had a lot of contacts and I had a lot of opportunities to do remixes or to release things on labels with people. But because I didn't know how to operate the, you know, the software um, and really make a song uh i you know i kind of went to my buddies and did collaborative stuff with right. them and sort of um use that as a, a opportunity to learn the process a little bit more and gene was the guy that said to me i, I think probably because i was coming with many obligations that i had <laughs> accepted right for labels or for for producers or whatever and gene's like man like you know i Pretty much, I, and I'm just assuming he thought this, but he probably <laughs> he probably thought something like, "Man, I can't fit you into my schedule all the time." You know, to, I love working with you on right. music, but you need to get out and you need to learn how to do this yourself. So, right. you know, spend some time working on your craft, and uh, yeah, that was a serious, you know, kick in the butt moment. One where maybe I I was insecure enough to evaluate um, whether I was cut out for things even. Right. but gene you know gene very kindly gave me sort of the the hardline reality check and and that's what got me into my own studio at home and and working countless hours yeah. to to express myself through creating music so but it's kind of like that you need those friends right that and it's like this two steps forward but man we got some momentum and then he kind of stepped on it and yeah one step yeah. back and look at yeah he does his own thing and now you do your own thing and you guys still do you guys ever collaborate now? Have you collaborated we, with Gene? In a we while? haven't worked on music for a while, um, but I, you know, Gene's a guy that I can hang out and do anything mm -hmm. with anytime, and and you know, maybe in the future we will. But I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, we we did release a few things together, uh, a single and a remix, and those were great. I had a super fun time doing that. But um, yeah, we haven't worked on anything since. Yeah. So is I don't even know if you can answer this. If this is a too tough of a math a math question for you, but from a production standpoint, like, do you know how, and we'll count remixes too, like just generally, how many have you released since you started producing? Um, I, there's probably, I, I probably did count like a couple years ago, just for the sake of knowing myself, I suppose. But, uh, I'd say probably around 150 
things release. I mean, dude, I have a section, literally like a tilted section back there. And that doesn't mm -hmm. include some like red handed and some other stuff that mm -hmm. you've done too. So mm -hmm. I, I definitely have a chunk of wax that yeah. I picked up before I even knew you. I just mm -hmm. knew your name. Yeah. Pretty yeah. funny. Yeah. Interesting. And then there was a record store in there somewhere. Yeah, I had two. Um, the first record store I owned was in the university district. I remember that, that, one. Was, that was Concepts. Okay. And I had that from 1996 through 1999. Um, and then I sold it in 99. And then I, you know, I went a few years without having a record store. Um, and then I opened another one in 2003 with Rhino. I remember Rhino. Yeah. And we kept that open for three years till 2006. Um, and then we closed that shop down. Gotcha. Yeah. What was that second one? Was that the... Down Low Music. Yeah. Was mm -hmm. that the Beats International space or different? No, uh, it was nearby. No, it was around the corner. It was, it was around it, the corner. Because yeah, I was... remember I used to go to Brian's shop and then your shop. Mm -hmm. I'd yeah. do the run. Yeah. Platinum beats and then your place too. Yeah, yeah yeah that was a good time we had a lot of fun record stores in seattle really did <sighs> so good yeah i miss them i mean we still have selector which is cool i haven't been to seattle records which is in the u district mm -hmm. that sounds like eva just took part of that which yeah. is awesome yeah i haven't been up there either i did go to selector um last week yeah and hung out with uh sherm dog he's coming through yeah we're gonna get him to he's come the through. best man, oh, man. He, i mean uh you know not not to go too deep off the path Please. but Sher sherman's a, a was a very instrumental person in me learning how to mix records because he was um well i met him i believe at that first rave that i went to no because kidding. he he yeah his friends were actually friends with the guy that my my <laughs> ex-girlfriend had gone to the party with and i became friends with all of them right um and sherman yeah sherman's been around since day one and he i remember sherman trying to teach me the mathematics of mixing um house music or dance music at the time we played everything but right um i had no idea what he was talking about i'm like what's a kick i didn't even know the names of the drums no, you know neither. i didn't know what a kick drum was a snare a hi-hat <laughs> you know like i had no no clue and he's like well you know the, the kick's always on the one and you know just trying to explain the mathematics and it was it was above and beyond me and totally so i i learned simply by learning how to 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 pitch and keep things um together time-wise just by sounds i didn't right. uh, <laughs> you figured the phrasing out a little bit later yeah, yeah yeah i just i mean so many records then would even start with like ambient noise or yep. or whatever so i would just most of the time and most records either started like that or they started with a kick drum and generally they would you know they'd be timed the same and so I could start one with ambient noise and one with the kick drum and just make sure everything sounded like it was, you know, like at the same time, the pitch was yep. right for both records. And, you know, somehow I learned how to, how to mix doing that. I, you know, so I got to ask you a couple questions about this because I'm always curious. So were you always a music lover just from like day one? Was music a thing? Like I always ask guys if they love it, girls too, but. I mean, yeah, I always, I, I, yeah, I was always really into music. I, my, my dad was an artist, but with other mediums, um, and he didn't really play music in the house, but at a young age, he bought me like a, you know, classic stereo setup yep. with the turntable and the eight track player yep. and, and, and a couple speakers and, nice. um, was, was really cool about, you know, um, giving me 
chore money for to be able to go to the store and buy some records or whatever and yeah i really um i really dug just sitting by myself listening to music um and then at an older age i always felt the urge to try to get people to listen to the music that i like got it you know we went we went through our high school area when i say r i'm i'm talking to you most specifically but we went through that high school era of you know wanting to have a car with the system and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and i i feel like i would just trap my poor friends in my car yeah um, and make them listen to what i wanted to listen to or i would drive so that i could play the music you know because we're similar age what were you what were you listening to then what was it oh during high school i mean a lot of r&b hip-hop and like a little bit New of gangster wave. rap was yeah. coming. Oh right? yeah, gangster rap was coming in, but our, uh, a lot of R and B um, and a lot of like Depeche Mode, Cure, yep. Smiths, Information like, Society. Yeah, yeah, yep. just kind of like that. That really cool digital music, you know. Like I, I, oh, I mean, I guess a lot of it was. I don't know. I, it's it was the first like electronic music. I guess totally. I should say digital is the wrong word, but electronic music that I first got into was definitely like Depeche Mode and. You know, same story, man. Mm-hmm. I mean, Yaz was another one. Mm-hmm. Yaz was you, huge, yeah. Yeah, even uh, though it, upstairs like, at Eric's, oh, it's so good, <laughs> so good. I, there's still like five songs on that that mm-hmm. album that give me goosebumps every fucking yeah, time I listen yeah. to it. So, no, that's cool. Well, the reason I the follow up question to that. Um, so when I first started learning to DJ and kind of break the sounds apart to match beats, you know, mm-hmm. I haven't ever really done much production besides like, Hey, that would sound cool. You know, more of the executive producer type stuff. But when I started to DJ, I found that I lost as a music lover. I used to see a music a piece of music as sort of this holistic thing. And then it almost took a little magic away when I, when I had a guy just like your Sherman, I had a guy named Mark break it down for me. It's like, here's the one, here's the counts. Here's in, and, and it kind of, it became like formulaic. And for like, there was a time where it kind of took some of the, some of the life out of music for me. And then it's almost like I came out the other side and loved it even more. But mm-hmm. it, it was this journey of relearning how to listen to music. And I don't know if that, did you experience that or, or it never hit you like that? Um, it never hit me like where I realized it, but listening to you say it, I realized that something happened where primarily I would, I would listen to music it, it just happened audibly. It didn't happen. Yeah. It didn't happen with a visualization really, but certainly, uh, yeah, I, I think that I used to just be like every little noise. Like I'd be like, Oh, listen to that. Like I, yeah. I could locate, um, all the different elements of a song sort of in a, uh, sound soundstage in my mind. Yep. And then with production, I definitely, when you're looking at it, um, you know, a sequencer you're looking at you know a mathematical graph essentially on your screen and all the components of the song that you're writing are there you know like i definitely have to turn the screen off once in a while yeah because otherwise i i, I the anticipation of seeing everything takes away from um what that i'm hearing staging like that yeah totally. yeah so you know i have and i have to i have to turn off the screen and sort of maybe even turn away from you know the actual production area and sort of just disconnect and and put my ears there instead of everything else you know you you just reminded me so i i worked at groove tech for a while and i worked with west mm-hmm. wesley holmes mm-hmm. um and i remember one day like sort of half-assedly saying oh, wes i want to produce a track it seems like everybody who's djing is producing a track who would you go to he goes he goes i'd go to john lee and i go really what's that like he goes well he's gonna make you work like be ready to sweat and i was like 
that sounds terrible. Like, I'm gonna... <laughs> so anyway, it never, it never happened, but like, it kind of intimidated me because that was a thing. He looked at me like dead in the eyes and goes, he's going to make you work, bro. <laughs> yeah. Thank so. you, Wes. That's, uh... <laughs> it was super funny. We'd probably just keep, try to keep you away from me. <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> anyway. Um, well, I mean, okay. So we talked a lot about the production thing. We talked about how you got into it. What, like to me and maybe i'm just paying more attention but to me it seems like you're busier now than ever both with releases and then also dj gigs am am i right about that am i wrong about that is there some kind of resurgence happening just generally in the scene i'm trying to understand i mean to give credit where credit's due to the scene i mean it's just gotten bigger more global um you know, in social media, as as little as I like it for anything other than a promotional tool, and maybe to see a little bit about what people are up to or what's yeah. going on in the world, um, it's it's definitely brought a new level of visibility, which is much easier for people far away from you to to be able to un, you know understand who you are or what you're doing. But yeah, certainly, I mean, definitely busier in the studio than ever. More releases coming yeah. out than ever, and that's just. Uh, you know, as a producer or, you know, DJ or as a human being, you know, we all go through a lot of ups and downs and there's just times when I'm more inspired and happier and more fulfilled in life. And usually, um, that instills a, a work harder, um, a bit more passionate, you know, just all those things that I kind of want out of myself come into play. And then, you know, you just, I've just been busy because I've just really been having fun and enjoying it. Um, and then that I think that translates into my personal relationships with people. Um, and of course, Ocaso and a couple great friends that um, my, my, my really good friend, Alejandro mm-hmm. um, Martinez goes by Andromo. He, he, he's introduced me to a lot of people in Central America and I've okay. gotten, I've gotten a lot of gigs through that introduction. So uh, just just in that way you know i've i've just uh met a lot of people done a lot of networking and um really grateful to to have a fairly busy dj schedule and and to be traveling more um for all that um but you know it's i think it's just a lot of loving what i do and having done it for a long time and and not like raining on the parade very often you know yeah. like i i stay i stay pretty it, on pretty good terms with just about everybody yeah. that I meet and and do work with, and so that's I think that's a a very important thing is just to you know to be personable and to you know work well with others as well. And I think that th- those are the things that you know. Short story long, <laughs> yes, I'm more busy, but you know it's not not yeah. just not just because of myself. It's because there's lovely people I've met along the way that that help with connections and. But that doesn't that. happen unless you're putting yourself out there. And it's interesting because I think whether it's creative, I see it in the corporate world too, but but especially in creative endeavors, there's a lot of, even with really talented artists sometimes, there's there's kind of this fam- famine mentality and this, this unhealthy competitiveness that happens. And I don't get the sense that you and there's a few others that I know locally here, you guys just don't even play in that, in that, in that ballpark, right? You guys have this sort of like abundant it's not yeah, yeah. i mean I, I i look at it as old as that like i'm only competing with myself yeah. you know and yeah of course there's 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 those around me that i'm really close with and i have deep connections with and um 
at any length, I'll try to support them. And I know that they do the same for me. But there's also a, a collateral group of people around too, whom I, I mean, I try to be helpful in general to people. But you know, I, I there's there's a certain thing to be said about those you're really close with versus those sure. that that you just know. And I'm I'm sure that I don't know where I'm going with with this thought anymore. But I started it. Keep yeah, going. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> no, I'm just. I guess I'm just saying that. You know, I I try not to get super close to too many too many yeah. people and too involved with like things or people. I just like to kind of do yeah. my own thing, and I'm just competing with myself, and I'm just trying to have a um, a happier, well, not happier, but just just a, a happy, um, abundant life. Sure. And I, you know, I'm willing to work hard for that, and I'm super grateful for it. And that's, uh, I think that's. You know, I don't know. <laughs> no, man, I think I think it comes. No, I get it. I think it comes through not only with your productions, because I, I do really like there's a lot of shitty music out there. There's a few Seattle producers that are really dropping some some heat right now. Mm-hmm. I'd say mm-hmm. you. I'd say Tony H. I mean, yeah. uh, Terry Jacinto, who I still consider local. I was bugging him about yeah. that, even though he's in yeah. San Diego. Yeah. Like just for me personally right there's other there's others out there but for me personally the sound that you guys just hit me right with the stuff that you guys produce and remix and and you know it's the right again it's a very subjective thing for everybody's individual taste but it shows like that work ethic and that sort of switzerland way that you guys kind of go about business you're not too clicked up but you're on good terms with everybody mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like we were saying you're going to be playing flammable here in april on a vinyl night so. easter sunday oh i'll be there i'll be there it's gonna be good <laughs> it's gonna be exciting yeah no so i i guess with that you know today i mean is there anything else going on in the present that you want to that you want to shout out to or that's that's happening right now yeah i mean i you know I, you mentioned tony uh, you know tony and i have uh we've got lots of music out Not, nothing yep. upcoming but you know i just want to give a shout out to tony because yeah. he's been he's been a great guy to work with he's and, killing it right like yeah yeah he's doing great yeah, yeah. and we're we uh, you know we're definitely brothers from another you know yep. um but yeah i i have um i have some music that i'm releasing with uh, my buddy Corey. It goes by pattern drama that mm. we're doing an ep out on music is for lovers in may which is a a, a great label um i i just finished some stuff in the studios last weekend with andromo um and you know he does percussion too right is it um, or, or am i wrong about that am yeah, i confusing him yeah you were i mean he makes very percussive okay. music but yeah oh, okay yeah, I, I wouldn't I, i'm thinking of somebody yeah he's then. he's a dj producer Got based it. out of vancouver sorry andromo that, i have it, some of your shit <laughs> <laughs> uh he's from el salvador originally Got um it. Uh, I've got some music coming out on Household Digital soon. I have some music coming out um, on Prilison recordings. Um, I've got a remix for really a, a house legend, DJ Linus, that'll be coming out soon. Nice, man. And I am I just finished a remix for Uniting Souls music for um, this guy, Cole Lawton, yep. who's a pretty hot-selling um awesome house producer um uh, you know i just had my ep come out for uniting souls too that's been Super doing really well solid, the yeah. messenger ep yep yep um i got you know the gig at flammable easter sunday i'm taking off for costa rica again this friday and i'll be playing at el garito in tamarindo on saturday and then i'm playing at playa lagarto uh with tiga um and my boys alex and mauricio <laughs> nice. in in costa rica as well 
You, so, yeah. do, do, are you also doing Desert Hearts? Did I see that? No, that was an, I, I shared. Oh, um, that was an old. I, yeah, I shared old, something okay. old. Yeah, I went. I went and played with with Corey Baker, Powder Drama, like a, a few years back, and just was kind of wowed by the memory again. That so. always seems like a fun, a fun. Oh, it's, too, it's, man. yeah, it's it's. I mean, I've only been once, but it was life changing for me because yeah, I got to play and it was get them back in there. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that looks cool. Okay, so. I don't want to step on it if you were going to say something else. No, no. I'm good. I, the, the, the sort of the last thing, maybe the most challenging, maybe the easiest, but you know, just in general, like I always like to talk kind of about past, present and future, like future for John Lee. Do you, do you have it mapped out? Like wh where do you want, are you where you want to be? Are there things you want to do? Are there like these big, bold goals that you haven't achieved yet? Um, big, bold goals. No, I just want to keep having fun with it. And, uh, sort of being a receiver for whatever the universe wants to, you know, send me. Um, I, I definitely would like to explore central and South America a bit more as, as yeah. it, well, as a person, um, you know, just such, I'm just so amazed by that part of the world. And, and I, I definitely would like to gig more and I, I see that in my future, you know? Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully, uh, Hopefully I get to go some more places, do some more fun things. But, you know, if if things were wrapped today, I, I'm sure I'd grieve the loss of that part of my life. But I can say that I honestly feel very fulfilled and nice. grateful for everything. Um, but I did want to give one more shout out. Oh, yeah, and please. I can't believe I forgot him. No, don't forget. Simon Hauser is one of my best, best buddies in the world. And I want to shout him out, too, because yeah. I actually just bought I bought a track and then I realized it was one of his tracks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Simon's great. We but we we have a side project um, that we call Lee Hauser. Seen it, yeah. Uh, yeah. And we have uh, we have a remix coming up soon on a label called Elephant Chords um, out of uh, Argentina. Nice. Yeah, and then one more shout out. I got a, I got a single coming out on Seattle's Feral One Records, which is a new um, newer label that's cool. uh, coming up, putting some really good music out. But just you know, just a shout out to to some of the Absolutely. other locals I didn't mention earlier. But no, I mean it just seems like the whole local scene, and I think I actually messaged you on one of your posts on some social stream somewhere. It just seems like there's a lot of heat coming out of Seattle area right yeah, now. Yeah, there's some really really inspiring. Talented producers, promo producers, promoters, talent, yeah. promoters, producers DJs, DJs yeah. like it's just it, it's it's a little bit lit up. That's why I wanted to, was asking you if the if the scene is like if it's opening back up, if it's changing, is it just post COVID? Everybody's getting back in their groove. There just seems to be something clicking right now. Yeah, I mean, I definitely you know things opening back up has probably been a big factor, but there's also just I mean, Seattle's always been a super international city as yeah. far as the the different ethnic. Um, groups of people that we've had here but i think with the explosion of technology in the city it's really just brought a bunch of more uh yeah. more international people and and i've noticed a lot more like students as well from other places when i'll go to the clubs and stuff i'll meet i'll meet people that are in college that are you yeah. know from central south america i meet a lot of people from so many different places these days when i go out so there's definitely been an influx of more more of the international community into seattle and i think that's brought a lot of um well well needed diversity to the yep. scene as well because people are coming from different parts of the world and maybe they're djs so their sounds are influenced by something else or they're promoters so they they've they grew up with different artists and i think that's been a really good thing for the scene it's definitely made things a little more diverse and created probably a few more groups of people which 
you know, can only serve the city better. I, I totally agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Well, nice, man. Well, I, this is actually my favorite part where we quit talking and I, uh, I send you to the studio and drop a little bit of a mix. Yeah. Um, and you know, your call if you want to say anything about it, but anything you want to play, talk about that you're going to play, was there any kind of theme or are you just going to go for it? You know, I just let my mixing speak for itself. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, man. <laughs> I learned to stop talking about myself as a DJ. <laughs> I mean, I sh I'm sure my, my ego will creep in every once in a while and, yeah. and, and, you know, express that I thought I played really well or something, but yeah. for the most part, you know, I just like to play music. And <laughs> I get you. I'm the same way, man. Yeah. I'm the same way. But uh, okay, well let's do it. So if you're ready, man, let's uh, let's stop this and let's let you get a get behind the decks and go after it. Sounds good. Thanks, John. Thanks for coming through. Yeah, thanks. Thanks right. for having me. Yeah. <laughs> Seattle House Mafia. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Seattle House Mafia's industry interviews. If you want to watch the full video of this interview, including an exclusive mix from our guest, head over to seattlehousemafia.com forward slash YouTube. And before you go, be sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. For all things Seattle House Mafia, including our upcoming shows, latest mixes, gear reviews, and more, you can visit seattlehousemafia.com.